Second Sunday of September. Summer's changing into fall. We've already dusted off our OU and our OSU jerseys. Got them out of the closet. School started and we're moving into a new season of the year. John F. Kennedy said, change is the law of life. And those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. And John Maxwell said, which is uh, kind of the heading of this series that we're going to be on for the next few weeks, change is inevitable, but growth, well, growth is up to you. It's optional. If you would turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. We're going to begin reading at verse number 22. Then Jesus came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged Jesus to touch him. So Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit, everyone say spit. When he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. The title of my message today is God, where are you? Where are you, God? Now, to all of you who have instantly received everything you've ever needed from the Lord, you probably don't need this today. And if, you know, I guess you could play on your phone or pray for me, you know, if you've received everything that you've ever needed. But, you know, to the rest of us who sometimes stumble and crawl and limp along wondering why life seems harder for us, well, I pray that this will be meaningful. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate pink shirts and I hate any kind of pain. Whether it's physical pain, whether it's emotional pain, I hate disappointment, I hate rejection. And rather than, than ask a question that might even lead to rejection, I'll avoid the question in order to protect my heart. You see, because I've learned over the years that since I can't change people, if I expect less, well, it hurts less. You see, I think you'll agree with me, but you know, people promise all kinds of things. But the advertisement is usually better than the product. And many times you're left in disappointment because you make a plan based on what they said that they were going to do, only to find out that they don't do it. And so before we deal with this man's blindness, let's take just a minute and look at his expectation. Because really, if we're going to apply this to our lives today, you know, it's really hard to expect and trust again after you've been disappointed. 
time and time again. Maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about. Now, you know, don't tell me I'm up for the promotion. I've already been passed over three times. Or, or don't tell me that, that I'm going to get married because, because now I've finally gotten adjusted living single. And so you see, I don't want to hear something that's going to wake up the pain in my life all over again. Now, during the earthly ministry of Jesus, he healed lepers, he stopped issues of blood, he even raised the dead. And so some of the friends of this blind guy says, man, we love you. We've been buddies a long time, and this is your chance to be healed. So we're going to take you to meet this healer that everyone is talking about. But you see, this blind man, he hears them, and I think he, they're his friends, so he probably thinks they have good intentions, but he does not know how his story is really going to end. Now, if he knew he was going to be healed, it would have been no problem at all. But can we be honest today? See, the problem with believing God is that really we step into it blindly, right? Even those of us with good eyes, we step into it blindly not knowing how our story is going to end. I mean, you bought the house blindly. You took the job blindly. You married that person blindly. You didn't know. You're standing down at the altar, and the preacher says, do you take this woman for better or worse? And what you really want to do, you want to say, uh, how much worse? The preacher says, in sickness and in health, uh, excuse me, Padre, uh, do you mean physical or mental? Can you be a little bit more descriptive? Are we talking emotionally sick or are we just talking about a little arthritis here and there? Sir, please tell me how bad this might get. And so we step into it blindly. Well, the Bible talks a lot about blindness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 says, When the eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But if it's bad, your body is full of darkness. And then that is going to affect other non-related areas besides your eyes. You know, it's interesting how people can be blind in other ways besides their eyes. I mean, you, you meet someone who's extremely intelligent, extremely articulate, but relationally, they're blind as a bat. They just don't relate well to people. Have you ever known someone who dates incredibly well but marries poorly? I mean, they're the best date in the world in the short term. In a sprint, they are amazing. But when it comes to a marathon like marriage, she gains 20 pounds, his knee goes out, her back is hurting, he loses his hair, she loses her mind, he loses his teeth. Not so good. 
Well, then you finally find the person that's good, that has good social skills and is good with commitment, but then what do you find out? They're terrible with money. You wish they would have walked down the aisle wearing a sign that says, I'm economically blind. But they didn't. And so, you stepped into it blindly. And you know, after 40 years of ministry, I know you didn't know I was that old to begin with, but I am. <laughs> you know, I am convinced that the, word, that the term normal does not exist. And so I'm through wondering if you're blind. Baby, I know you're blind. And so now I'm just wondering, I want to know how you're blind. Because I know I'm blind. And so when my blindness and your blindness collide, we're going to end up in the ditch. Isn't that what the book says? Blind leading the blind. Now, thank God most of us don't have the challenge of dealing with physical blindness. But everyone in here is blind in some way. And what do we do? Whew, we go to great lengths to keep our blindness from showing, don't we? But see, the problem with close relationships is that sooner or later, we are going to crash into each other over something, and then that's when you're going to pull out your blind card, and you're going to tell me you can't see. But it's going to come out in a way that says you don't keep your word. You're late for everything. I'm not, I wasn't looking at you. I should have been looking at you. And what we're saying is you promise more than you can deliver. But you know, <clears throat> the church is an amazing place. Because we put out a sign that says, whatever's wrong with you, no problem, bring it to Jesus and let him take care of it. And people come to, to the altar and miracles happen around the altar. People are changed from crack to Christ, from drunks to deacons, from prostitutes to prayer warriors, from liars to laymen. Hallelujah, praise God. But then they get on a committee at the church or they get into a small group at the church, and they almost kill each other. The blind man says to the lame man, how come you can't walk? Any fool ought to be able to walk. The walking man says, well, you can't see. You're an idiot. See, what happens is so many people, even when we've been born again, we only have patience and sympathy for others who have the same problem as we do. My sin, your sin. And if my arms could stretch further, I would stretch them further. And you know it's true. And so Jesus, Jesus has his reputation. And this blind man now, since Jesus has a reputation, his buddies have pumped him all up, this blind man is now expecting to be healed. I mean, you know how it goes. Well, Valerie got her master's. 
So I'm going to go back to school. God blessed her. That means he'll bless me too. Sounds plausible. So-and-so lost everything, but God opened a door, and they got a brand new house. So if he did it for them, I'm believing God for a new house for me. And this blind man may have been, been standing there leaning on his blind man's stick, and maybe even blind Bartimaeus came up to him and said, Dude, I used to be blind just like you, but now I got 20-20, and it is awesome, man. The lame man says, I was hanging out by the pool at Bethesda, and Jesus showed up one day, and now I can dance better than Benny. You see, Jesus had a reputation. And because Jesus had a reputation, this blind man is expecting Jesus to do his thing. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Zap me. Let me have it. I heard what you did about for all those others. Now do it for me right here, right now. We do the same thing, don't we? She was a mess and you made her a good wife. God, make me a good wife. Lord, you healed their body instantly. Now heal mine instantly. Well, verse 23 says that Jesus led him out of the city. It says nothing about zapping him. But it does say that Jesus spit in his eyes. Maybe just like that. I don't now, hey, you know, I know a lot of you pretty well, and I know that you're all deeply spiritual, you're highly intellectual people, and, and you're so committed to Christ that if someone spit on you, it wouldn't even phase you. <laughs> Glory to God, hallelujah, bring it on. Bunch of hypocrites. We're not going to stand for that. Jesus led him out of the city, spit on him. He laid his hands on him, and the blind man's thinking, all right, this is it. I'm going to get my eyesight. And Jesus said, what do you see? The blind man says, well, I... I guess I see some guys walking around, but they kind of look like trees. Now, I know that there have been people who have been instantly healed from cancer, who have been instantaneously delivered from drug addiction, who have been released by a miracle from heaven from the bondage of debt. But the question is, what do you do when you aren't? You've received the same prayer from the same pastor in the same church. You've quoted the same scripture. You went to the marriage counselor that saved their marriage, and old Bill's still acting crazy. God, where are you 
in my life? Well, first of all, we're going to look at that. And the first thing is, it's so important for you to thank God for small progress. A lot of times we have the attitude of all or nothing. If we don't get zapped, well, God's not working in our life. But we need to thank God for small progress. No, I, I can't see clearly, but I do see trees walking. They, they may be, maybe they're men. I may not be well, but I'm better, thank God. I'm not there yet, but I'm shouting because I'm better. I may not have it all together, but I'm better than I was, and I'm thanking God for the improvement in my life. I can see some light. I can make out some forms. It isn't clear yet, but I am better. It's kind of like, well, I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not happily married yet, but I am married. I, I'm not out of debt, but, I, you know, God's helping me pay off my American Express card each month. I'm buying too many shoes. <laughs> Folks, we have to thank God for small progress. Now, maybe you're here today and you've been wondering where where God is in your life. But yet, because we try so hard to mask our blindness, you don't want anyone to know what your blindness is. Well, just worry about it. Just sit there, act bored, and maybe after service you can get these notes from someone else. Well, if you've been wondering where God is in your life, the second thing is do not cover for God. Don't cover for God. I mean, you'd be surprised how many Christians feel obligated to cover up for God. You said it. He laid hands on you. He spit on you. Everyone saw it. And now you feel obligated to fake it because you don't want God to look bad. Now, don't get me wrong with what I'm getting ready to say. I believe in divine healing. I believe in instantaneous divine healing. I believe in the gifts of healing. And I believe that God uses people to heal others. I believe that with all my heart. But in all my years, I have never been to a healing crusade, and I've been to a lot of them, where someone who had hands laid on them who didn't say they felt better, but yet they walked out with the same limp that they walked up on the stage with. Don't get me wrong. I am not mocking. I am not making fun. I'm just saying that I see that more often than not. And the reason is because they didn't want to make God look bad. That's why Abraham said, well, God promised me an heir, but you know, I don't even have a kid yet. And so in Genesis chapter 16, his wife Sarah, like most wives do, I can fix this. I can make this all better. So Sarah gets involved and says, the Lord has kept me from having children, so I'm going to hook up my husband with my servant, so at least then he can get the promise of God and have kids. 
How many women in here would go for that? I don't even have to look at her, and I can tell you that ain't going to fly at my house. Go to the movies with my servant? Be back before dawn? Are you crazy? Yes. She was crazy. When people start trying to cover up for God, they do really crazy stuff. And that's the reason why God puts those illustrations in the Bible. Because people have a tendency to do dumb things when what they have been taught, what they have heard, does not work for them. And they feel obligated to cover for God. But see, you need to understand that when you start covering up for God, you're hiding and camouflaging your disappointment. You're a good soldier in the army of the Lord. You're loyal. And so you think image is everything. And so you're trying to help God out. But friend, let me tell you something. God does not need your help. He's got the situation under control. In the Bible, people who worshiped idols, they carried their God around. But I want you to know those of us who serve the living God, He carries us around. Here's my point. God doesn't need you to carry Him. God doesn't need you to cover for Him. If it's not over, it's not over. If He's not finished, He's not finished. If it's not healed, it's not healed. If this blind man would have covered up for God, he would have never received his healing. Jesus said, what do you see? And honesty was his best friend. Suppose he would have said, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I can see, I can see. Hallelujah, glory, glory, glory. Uh, 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 Master, could I have my stick so I could find my way back home? Don't cover up for God. He doesn't need it. Because let me show you the process that God often uses. He gave Israel the law in the Old Testament. He knew they couldn't keep it. What he wanted them to do was say, God, we can't do it. So then he could bring them into the tabernacle. He could receive their sacrifices, and then he could give them grace. But what they do? They covered for him. In Exodus chapter 19, they're all big, they're all bad, and they said, all the Lord has spoken, we can do. No, they couldn't. And when we're dishonest about where we are in the process, it delays the healing. Even the apostle Paul said he wasn't finished. This is the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. I mean, do you know how liberating it is to be able to be honest and tell people, say, well, I'm better, but, you know, he's not finished with me yet. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, man, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, hang on. You're an apostle. You can't say that. Hold on, big boy. No, 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 no. You're a pastor. You can't, you can't say that to your wife. You can't act that way in traffic. 
And Paul says, read my lips, Jack. I do not count myself to have apprehended. I'm not there yet. But there is one thing that I do. I am forgetting all those things of my past. I am forgetting all those shortcomings which are behind me. And I am reaching forward to reach to the goal for those things which are ahead. I am pressing towards my call in Jesus Christ. I can't see clearly, but I press. I'm not well yet, but I press. So when I say don't cover up for God, I'm talking about being honest where you are in the process. And when you are, it opens up the avenue for you to have a continued experience with God. You see, because when you put a period where God only puts a comma, you shut down the hope of ever being made whole. Third thing is, do not lose faith in God. Don't lose faith in God just because he didn't show up according to your watch. Don't throw in the towel just because God didn't do it in your life like he did in the person who's sitting next to you. Because just because he didn't, it doesn't mean that God is not evident and relevant in your life. Listen, you're not blind Bartimaeus. So God may take you a different way. It may take longer. It may be harder. It may be more difficult. It may be more systematic. It may be gradual. It may take years. And we don't like that. We want instantaneous. We want microwave. But God knows how to get you where he wants you to be. Don't lose faith in God because if God is anything, he is just. But let me let you in on a little secret. While he is just, God is not fair. If you want to throw something at me, go ahead. Take your shoe off. But hear me out. See, when we tell people that God is fair, that means that we're suggesting that God has to give you a chance because he gave me a chance. Well, that sounds good in a socialistic government. We've been hearing a lot about that lately. But see, God knows that I may not be able to handle what you can handle. If I'm honest with you, I might not be able to handle winning the lottery. I think I can. I say I can. And maybe if I ever play it, I'll find out. But you see, God knows if I can. Years ago, when my oldest son was 14, we were in Colorado, and we rented snowmobiles. Well, you know, he's 14, he's big and bad, he's full of testosterone, so he wants to drive his own. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I knew better than to let him. But, you know, I'm trying to be the cool dad. I'm trying to be fair. So I said, okay. Well, you know the story. He couldn't handle it. He tore it up. He drove it through a fence into the creek. 
He was bruised. My wallet was bruised. All because it's possible to want something that you simply can't handle. See, people lose faith in God because he didn't do it for them the way that he, they heard that he did it for her. But God never told you it was going to be easy. God never told you that when you spin around seven times and anoint your cat with oil, that when you get home, all your bills would be paid. Now, I know that Sister Sally, when she got home, she got a letter and she came into her inheritance, and so she was able to pay off her debt. But you may still have to make payments. So don't lose faith in God because he chooses to take you through a process that's longer than the other people you've heard about. You'd be surprised how many people are sitting in churches all over this country today, around this world. And even though they come to church, they lift their hands, they sing songs. They've really lost faith in God. And they're just going through the motions of religion. I wonder if any of them are here today. You see, they've been disappointed because God didn't do it for them when they wanted him to. And they've been disappointed because he didn't show up according to their time schedule. And so they just simply don't expect anything anymore because they've lost faith in God. Friend, let me tell you something. If this many people came into a building who really had faith in God, I wouldn't be up here preaching. Because Jesus said, if two or three gather in my name, I will be there. And wherever Jesus is, miracles are. And the only reason Jesus is using me to preach this morning is because someone's faith is broken. Someone's faith needs to be boosted. Someone's faith needs to be strengthened. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Whatever it takes in you today, release your faith faith that God is on the job for you just because God's clock doesn't tick like your clock. Don't lose faith in God. The next thing is don't lose faith in yourself. Quit beating yourself up. Oh, there must be something wrong with me. How come you didn't do it for me like you did for Bartimaeus? I must be corrupt. I must be bad. There are so many in church that have bought into a spiritual low self-esteem. And when the preacher spins a sermon beating them up, telling them how bad they are, how wicked they are, it feeds that low spiritual self-esteem. And they say, man, didn't he preach today? In other words, beat me. I'm bad. That's why I'm not healed. That's why I'm not blessed. No, you are crazy. But you need to remember, friend, who you are in Christ. You're the head and not the tail. Now are you the child of God. You are the righteousness of Christ in Jesus. Life beats us down so hard during the week that we forget that. And that's why it's difficult for you to get a full charge only on Sunday mornings. Now certainly... Certainly there is a time for hellfire, admonishment, but not all the time. 
And if that's what you enjoy, it's because you've lost faith in yourself. But you know, it can happen to anybody. You can be pretty and lose faith in yourself. You can be educated and lose faith in yourself. You can quote scriptures all day long and lose faith in yourself. But by faith, you need to say, I believe in God and I trust in him and I believe in me even though I'm not well. And the reason I believe in me is because God said, I will overcome. But see, what's nice, what's a blessing, is that you're here today. You know, there are some blind people that have lost faith, and they don't have the nerve to get up on their stick and go and see if God can help them. Some blind people would have left him when he wanted to take them out of the city. Some blind people would have certainly have gotten mad when he spit in their eyes, and they wouldn't have waited for him to lay hands on them. But I want you to know, friend, even though with everything you've been through, half blind, half lame, half broke, at least you're here. You may still be in that old house. Your back may still hurt. You only have one car and it doesn't always work because it only has three tires and a possibility. But you got in that old clunker and came to church this morning so you could say, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that the Lord has done for me, I am going to praise him anyway because I know he is working on my situation. Don't lose faith in yourself because Jesus is still working on you. Now, there's a number six, but I don't know that it's worth going into. And what it says is don't compare yourself with others. I think we've covered that. You are wonderfully made. You are marvelously made. There is no other like you. And what that means is that you have unique gifts, unique strengths, and even even unique weaknesses. And even though we have the same God, he deals with each of us differently. You see, because he alone knows how we're wired. And so because of that, some may be wealthy, some may not. But the promise of God is that he will supply all of my needs according to Christ Jesus. And my point is this, Lord, I don't want her plan. I don't want his plan. Just give me the plan that you have for my life. See, because true commitment is being happy in how God made you. Don't worry about what they're doing. Don't worry about what they have. Because here's the thing, God don't make no mistakes. Now that's not good English, but it's good theology. And here's my point of all this. Don't be afraid to ask for more. Don't be afraid to ask again. I've always had a good, strong appetite, and when I say I want some green beans, don't count them out on my plate. Ladle them up. And cover my plate with a steak. And let me discover what the plate looks like. The reason a lot of people don't get what they want from the Lord is because they are sitting there hungry, but yet they're afraid to ask God for more. There is nothing rude about asking God for seconds. 
And while some say, well, I'm just glad for what the Lord gave me, there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, thank you for that first helping, but I want some more. Don't be satisfied with less than what God has to give you, and don't worry about being plight in the face of a powerful God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you may ask or think. This blind man said, hey, Lord, I'm not finished yet. I want some more. And we wonder, God, where are you? He's right where he's always been. He hadn't changed. He hadn't moved. All through the Bible, people talked to God and he talked back to them. Listen, it's okay to tell him what you want. It's okay to tell him how you want to live. It's even okay to tell him how you want to die. Now, he can do whatever he wants, but he invites us through his word for us to tell him what we want. And see, here's the thing. Because we can tell him what we want, God wants to visit with us. Because I want you to know every day that I wake up, it's a sign that he has not finished blessing me. If he was finished blessing me, I'd be dead. When you wake up in the morning, he wakes you up to be blessed. More life, more peace, more power, more anointing, more grace, more love, more relationship, more overcoming. Friend, if we go home hungry, if we go home blind, it's our fault because whatever you need, whatever I need, God has got it. If it's more love, he's got it. If it's more peace, he's got it. If it's more victory, he's got it. If it's more deliverance, he's got it. If it's more money, he's got it. God has it all. And if I ever invite you over to my house, bring your appetite because I'm going to feed you until you pass out. And so if I, being a man, can provide like that, how much more can Almighty God open up the windows of heaven for whatever you need in your life? When Jesus heard the blind man wanted some more, he didn't say, man, you're greedy. He didn't say, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be satisfied being half blind. No. He said, if you want some more, I've got some more. Bring me your plate. And friend, God wants to give you some more. Okay, so blind Bartimaeus got it on the first touch. Great. Good for him. But some of us have a bigger appetite, and it takes a little bit more for us. So God, where are you? He's prepared a table in the middle of your problem. And he has anointed your head with oil. And so get ready for your cup to overflow. Bow your heads with me. Now there's someone in this room. And when you came to the Lord, it, it started out good, but you didn't get everything you expected. I mean, Jesus led you. He spit on your eyes. He even laid hands on you, but, but you weren't completely whole. And so you backslid. 
You see, you got saved. You came to the altar, but, but you had a sinner's problem. And now you've let that sin take back over your life. And as you've thought about it, as you've rationalized, you've thought, well, well, it must not be real. Or you've, you've bought into the low self-esteem. You say, well, I'm not strong enough. I can't live it. Or you've even allowed Satan to make you think, God doesn't love me, or why would this be happening to me? Well, friend, today I came to tell you that God is real, and God does love you. And God has whatever you need in your life. And even after being disappointed and even after making mistakes and even after failing and falling, if you come to this altar and say, Lord, I want some more. Lord, touch me again. God is bigger than your disappointment. God is bigger than your failures. God is bigger than your doubts. And the God I serve cooks more than enough to satisfy your hunger. And if he says, if you are not well, let me touch you again. And friend, if you need a touch from the Lord, whatever it is, healing in your body, salvation, a relationship issue, he will touch you and he will continue touching you again and again and again as long as you need it. Because every time you need a touch from God, God has what you need. And he'll never run out of power. Jesus is saying, if you have sin in your life, bring them. Bring them. Bring them all. And let me wash them. And I'll make them white as snow. If you're here today and you have sin in your life and you need to be forgiven, would you raise your hand? If you need God to do something special, thank you. Thank you, yeah. You can put them down. Thank you. If you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've been waiting on the Lord to do something. And maybe your faith is shaken a little bit. Maybe you really don't understand why. But today you need the Lord to touch you. Would you have the courage as an act of faith to raise your hand? 